0: Hey guys welcome to Men's Leadership Network podcast for this month and I'm so excited about what God's gonna show us and teach us today and I'm sitting here with Pike and Pike Williams is amazing and he is a great man of God and we are sitting here at the Refuge Center uh, where you are uh marriage and family therapist here mm-hmm. and uh, just doing an incredible work and mm-hmm. so Pike, tell us a little about you like where you grew up and what brought you to Middle Tennessee
1: sure well interesting I uh Uh, Grew up mostly in Jackson, Tennessee, went to junior high and high school there and uh, enjoyed that and then went to college in Memphis. Mm -hmm. It was Memphis State when I went, but now (laughs) University of Memphis, go Tigers. Um, And then um, pursued an engineering degree, started with the Procter & Gamble Company um, with my wife, Leslie. We transferred out to Omaha for three years. We went to Cincinnati for 13 years where our three children were born. And then the company, Procter & Gamble Company, transferred us overseas to Prague in the Czech Republic. And we were there for a while and then we came back to Nashville in 1999, still with okay. Procter, and have been here ever since. Wow. And so since then I have retired from there and uh, just felt led into this work. And I'm just thrilled to be doing this now and I actually did my internship here at the Refuge Center. Back in 2013, finished up here in 2013, and have been on the staff here since then, really. Wow. So, pleased to be here. So, what
0: made you, I mean, you were successful in the corporate America, mm-hmm. and P&G, obviously, a really well-known company. And uh, So, what made you leave P&G and uh, America, Success, yeah. uh, to come and do counseling? What, yeah.
1: Well, interesting story. Yeah, And I, I, it was not easy for me. I managed to get the golden handcuffs really tight around my wrists mm. and it was very hard for me to step away from that. In fact, so much so uh, that I'm in a small group of guys on Saturday mornings. There's like four other guys and I would get together to pray and just talk and do a little Bible study. But I was asking for about the 20th time if those guys would pray for me as I considered this. And they, of course, said, yes, of course, we will. And they did. And then finally, after some number of times, one of the guys said, you know, Pike, we have told you we think you would be great at that. Uh, we have been praying for you about that. And he said it in a nice way, but he said, I'm just wondering, are you ever going to actually do it? Ooh. And it was, a, it was a nice push. It was very good. And I said, OK, man, I'll take that as a challenge. And with that, I enrolled at Trevecca, I think, uh, within the next couple of weeks and got going on it. So, But I really did need sort of a push out of the nest. Yeah. But what led me into it was really through my own story. So mm-hmm. growing up, I had a great childhood, but about the time I was 11 or 12 years old, I began to see some cracks mm-hmm. in our family foundation. So there were some things that began to emerge, some difficulties, some irresponsible behavior by my dad. Uh, Alcoholism started to creep its way in, and ultimately my parents divorced when I was 18. But along the way there were a lot of twists and turns in that, so that was a part of it. Later though in life, as I continued on as an adult, just the way that only God can do, um, He began to, first of all I was the recipient, I was blessed by having a couple of men in my life who loved me, who told me the truth, Mm -hmm. and who were not competing with me. And they were a little bit older than I was, and it was great because they told me things that I had never heard of before. We were not churched growing up. I had never heard much about Jesus. We believed in God, but that was about the extent of it. We just, I didn't have any knowledge. And so when I was 15 years old and got into young life, that's when I started hearing about that. But for me, later in life, a couple of men were able to speak some real Uh, amazing things to me because i would never heard them before, but it was just biblical truth and it made all the difference. And I thought if I ever had a chance to help anybody, anyone else, the way I've been helped, Mm. I would love to do that. And so that began to inform Mm. sort of my walk here. And as God does these things, you know, uh, people would ask my opinion about things. And I found myself really enjoying helping people from a, Place of my own journey I just, I'm just gonna, i 'm just going to all I can talk about is what I have experienced, mm-hmm. so I tried not to color outside the lines uh, and just sort of stay in my my place with that, in other words, talk about what I felt like I knew, and people found it helpful, and I thought okay that 's great, well, maybe I can do that someday mm-hmm. and so as the years went by, I found my way into it and um, I retired after thirty four years with p and g and I remember in those final months I remember there was this moment and I was standing there at the sink shaving and the this uh, the CEO from Bed Bath & Beyond had called one of the vice presidents of Procter & Gamble complaining about something that had that was in my area of responsibility and and, uh, and I got the text message and I saw that and I thought this is gonna take the rest of this day just dealing with this issue right here and it was like in that moment I felt like the Lord whispered you can continue to do this or you can you can do what i've called you to do and i'm like holy cow so I, okay this would be like the last day i'm going to do this so anyway it, it gave me the energy to move ahead and so i'm so grateful that god. you know god has a way of getting us where he wants us mm-hmm. and i have not always known that and sure surely have resisted that but he's faithful so i'm glad he to be here faithful. well
0: i tell you i'm so glad you're here too mm. you know and and those guys who nudged you mm. in your group Um, Tell me about your faith story. Somewhere along the way, you didn't grow up in church. You didn't have a relationship with the Lord. Your family, obviously. And then young life, it sounds like, entered the picture at 15 Um, but, but when did you really come to know Jesus as your Savior and then really start growing in your walk with oh,
1: the Lord? Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, yeah, big deal for me. So as I said, when I was 15, I uh, heard about heard the gospel yeah. and said, wow, I definitely want that. And um, I uh, had a decent high school experience, even though things were bad at home things were good for me at high school. I was playing sports and you know in the social strata of high school that was worth something. <laughs> yeah. So I did all right um, and I was pretty straight and uh, had been a Boy Scout so I was a good guy pretty much, uh, as, as good as I could be I suppose, but um, I, I, even then though I began to develop two sets of friends. I had my Christian Young Life friends mm-hmm. and then I had my other friends and I worked really hard to keep those groups separate. Mm-hmm. Got to college and it got worse. I started partying, uh, drinking, and, and if, if anyone should have ever known that they were at risk, it should have been me because of our history. Yeah. But nonetheless, started started into all that and uh, and you know, ended up doing a lot of things that even as I sit here today, of course I wish I could undo, but I can't And uh, and the Lord has redeemed it and mm-hmm. is using it even today, so I love that. But uh, through that experience, I definitely continued forming two groups of people in my life. And there were, there were the Christians over here and the partying friends over here. And it was interesting when I met my wife, Leslie, she thought she was getting the Christian version of Pike. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so as, it, as maybe God would have it, I got transferred to Omaha and we were not yet married. Um, and she was back here. She was actually in Memphis at the time. And I was out there and I had about three or four months just by myself and I went to this church. I just picked it out of the yellow pages. You had yellow pages you used back in those days. And I went to this church and it was one of those moments where I felt like that the Lord began to speak to me. And if I get teary here, sorry, but it's such a moving thing. But it was as if he was saying, you've, you've probably, of course, you're the one giving these messages just so you know how people are affected by you, I'm sure. But it was one of the, maybe you've had this experience though, where every Sunday I felt like the message was the same and I felt like it was exactly at me. Mm. And the message was, you know, it was things like, no one can serve two masters. Wow. Uh, you'll love the one and hate the other. Or a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And like, God, you know, mm. ugh, just like... Uh, you know, I wish you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, you know, you know what you're doing, and I know what you're doing. Leslie thinks she's getting the Christian version, and it's time for you to decide which side of the fence are you going to get off on. And uh, and I was scared, and um, and I thought, okay, I really need to do this, and so. And my voice is even shaking a little bit, mm-hmm. but such a big, big thing for me. And I said, okay, Lord, I don't even know what this means, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off on your side of the fence. And um, and shortly after that, a couple of these men from this particular church kind of intersected me. And uh, the story there was I was overly bonded with my dad, mm. uh, way overly bonded, just unhealth in our family of origin. And... Uh, our family had sort of, or at least my dad had subscribed to the blood is thicker than water. Mm -hmm. Uh, and essentially, you know, your family comes before your wife, if you had one or your husband was sort of the mantra. And so I had adopted that. And so unknowingly, you know, but shortly after we were married, um, it became obvious that I was going to have to set a boundary with my dad. He came to visit one time with no return ticket to go back. And after a couple of weeks, one of these guys at church asked me, he said, um, uh, how's it going? I said, great. And he said, and, and they said, how was your visit with your dad? And I said, well, he's still here. The guy said, your dad's still here. When's he leaving? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. And uh, he says, now, let me just get this straight. You're a newlywed, right? Yeah. And your dad's here. Is your dad OK? He's like not sick or something. No. And, you know, it was like, OK, man. So he they he and another guy said, here's something you need to know this idea of leaving and cleaving. So they took me back to Genesis 2. Yeah. They said, did you know this? I'd never heard of that. I'm like, good night. I've never heard of that. But made immediately you know, by the Spirit of God. It's like, of course, of course that makes sense. Wow. You know, And I need to set, set things straight with my dad. Of course, that was a very scary thing, but by the grace of God, he gave me the courage to have what ended up being a hard conversation. To you know, But it, what was cool about it is he showed me, the Lord showed me that I could love my dad, and I could also set a firm boundary. Mm. And I was able to finally, and I won't bore you with the whole story, but finally able to get the courage to say, if you make me choose dad, I'm going to choose Leslie. But there's love here for to go around, but uh, she's going to be my first priority in terms of human relationships. And you're just going to have to understand that, hope you can. And he didn't at first, but he came back around to it. And I was so grateful for that. So, so all that, that was a huge defining mm. moment. And it was at that kind of in that time when I felt like the Lord was saying, it's time for you to really decide. And I remember feeling like the Lord was saying, you can get off either side of the fence. It's mm. up to you. But just know one way is going to be really great. Another way is going to be really painful. Yeah. But you pick it. Oh <laughs> my like, God. So, all right, I'm in. So, uh, and after that, things started to open up, and this guy asked me to teach a Sunday school class. Now, you know, I know zero. This guy goes, Hey, I'm transferring. I need somebody to take this class. Will you be the teacher? What are you talking about, teach? <laughs> it was a freak out moment for me. So now I'm here. I am leading this couple's class. And of course, every Saturday night, I'm just jamming with all this. <laughs> I have three weeks of material for about a 30 minute lesson. Anyway. But of course, it was spiritual formation for me, oh, yeah. and God was like, it doesn't matter about the class, <laughs> you've you got a lot to learn, we've got to get you on an advanced accelerated program here or something. But I was so grateful for that, but God began to move things into my life to help me to get to know Him. Yeah. Um, and then as you fast forward in my spiritual journey, you know, this whole Lordship thing, it, it just continues um, along the way. I remember there was a time in my career with Proctor where I was really feeling like I need to do something really spiritual, mm. that all this, you know, who really cares about Tide or Crest toothpaste or bounty paper towels, for goodness sake, and just not seeing the significance of that and thinking, I really need to do something spiritual. <laughs> and I prayed about it and thought about it, and, um, and then that journey, uh, and lo and behold, there was a church there that they actually asked me to join their staff. And I'm thinking, yes, this is it. This has got to be the thing. And talking to Leslie about it, and she had all kind of red, red flags about it. Um, and, um, and so as I prayed that through, mm. I ended up saying no, um, but what came out after that, this is a different church. Now we're in Cincinnati at this point. It turned out that the church I would have been joining, uh, there was a huge split in mm. the church. And I would have been caught in the crossfire and it would have been a disaster. The elders didn't know anything about the pastor having asked me for this. So it was just very unhealthy. So so I was really thankful it didn't happen, but of course God had an agenda there which is to show me the significance of where I was already planted. So this idea I had that I could only do something meaningful spiritually being in a sort of a church setting or in some spiritual Christian you know, parachurch setting, you know, God sort of uh, spoke to me in a way and just said, you know, why don't you start with Leslie and Justin and Lauren and Lindsay, your children? Let's just start right there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I want to do something big. And it, so it was a wonderful redirect. He says, no, you've got work to do. So let's just start right here. And by the way, you have next door neighbors. What about mm-hmm. them? And by the way, the person who's in the office right next to you on the seventh floor at the general office, what about them? And so I'm like, what? yeah, okay. So anyway, the message was clear. And so I put my head back down. But I had a new, renewed focus and energy. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, there's more happening here than just market share or profit or the next quarter's results. And those are important. So don't get me wrong. Those are huge. And of course, and I wanted to do a good job and for all kinds of reasons. But I began to realize there's a bigger, a bigger story here. So Mm -hmm. I'm really just grateful. Yeah. God has had his hand on me in so many ways. And. Along the way, so it's been that's been awesome, really good. So, yeah. Mm.
0: So, Pike, yeah. what a journey! And I yeah. feel like when God called you to get off the fence and go yeah. one way or the other, yeah. and uh, you probably never could have dreamed what God was going to do when you said yes to Him, and right. uh, and then to see your career at P and G unfold, and mm-hmm. and all the things, in your marriage, and your mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then this call to counseling, and tell mm. me about that. Tell me about what God's done in your life since you've said yes to Him and following Him in this obedience to do counseling.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's funny just being here at the Refuge Center is a story. Um, I was at a place, I was still at Proctor at the time, I was doing the school work. And somebody said, do you have a place for your internship? And I said, well, no, I hadn't even thought about it. And they said, you need to call the Refuge Center for Counseling. I'd never even heard of it. And uh, there was a waiting list to kind of get in here as an intern, but someone, the person who told me about it, had been accepted, but they were going to be moving. Mm. And they said, you need to call them. So I called them, and thankfully, uh, they said yes, so I was here as an intern. So that's how I got here. Um, and yes, it has really uh, been great for me to have a chance to be with, I work mostly with men and couples, and um, I love that, and I'm honored to... Uh, to be with people who mm-hmm. are trying to figure out, um, you know, a way to um, do their life that is going to work for them for the long term mm-hmm. and for their marriage for the long term. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of marriage, and I'd be the first to say it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's, uh, it is, it is a an important step, and it's to be taken seriously. But it is awesome if you're with the right person. Yeah. It is amazing the things that I have learned and grown, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And so just the opportunity to help people know that there's ups and downs in mm-hmm. marriage, and everybody has conflict, and things don't always go well, and that's mm-hmm. all right. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you married the wrong person. It just may mean you don't have all the skills you need, or there are things you haven't had a chance to get to learn. Mm-hmm. And good for you for being here, and I love being able to walk alongside people who are trying to figure that out. Man, I love that. And, and The Refuge Center is just doing such
0: incredible ministry, (laughs) and even with the new future and new building and opportunity, and uh, it's so exciting. And then having a sliding scale, and I've always loved that about you and Amy Alexander, I mean, just as you guys Mm kind of help lead the Refuge Center just to see your heartbeat for helping people. Uh, And then, Pike, you know, you're also the the chaplain for Mm -hmm. the National Predators. And, And so, as you look at Couples but especially men
1: <laughs> um, what, what do you think are the biggest issues facing men today mm, boy that 's a great question isn 't yeah. it? Yeah, you know what I see a lot, and i would th- I would say it this way there 's a lot of confusion mm. there 's just a lot of confusion and a lot of dissatisfaction um, men who who have a great desire to do something bigger than themselves they they're willing to sacrifice willing to love sacrificially and to give their life for something meaningful, but not quite knowing how to do that, whether it's because of our culture or because of a lack of role models or just training in our own families of origin. Many, many of us um, have not had a clear template to mm. follow. So the idea of what what is a healthy definition of masculinity? What does it mean to be a man in our culture today? And how can I live that out in a way that's going to uh, be satisfying and fulfilling the way I hope I'm hoping it will be in it the same way or at the same time be respectful and Honoring to other people that I'm I live with and I live around mm. and so it's such a big big deal and um, you know it shows some of that confusion uh, and some of the uh, The pain that many men find themselves in can be rooted in a couple of things of course pain from the past mm. So many, many of us have had horrible things happen to us or happen around us, or honestly things we've done as we, much to our shame, we look back and we go, wow, I participated in things that I wish I'd never been a part Mm. of. And so, uh, but we've never had a space or a way or a place to go with that. We never thought it would be okay to talk about that, that somehow there was so much shame associated with it that it needed to be kept hidden. Um, And that is uh, all too common in our culture, and so oftentimes we've been through what I would describe as trauma, and trauma leaves a scar, um, Mm -hmm. and it affects us emotionally, mentally, and even physically. Um, A guy named Bessel van der Kolk wrote a book called The Body Keeps the Score, and there's so much research that points to this, but unresolved or unhealed trauma. Definitely affects us for the rest of our life unless wow. we have a chance to heal from that so Unresolved past pain would be one cause of that A uh, second thing that you know that I see frequently uh, that comes up is just a lack of clear identity You know for men we're trying to figure out. Okay. I'm here. I know I'm supposed to work I, I think I'm supposed to maybe be a husband maybe be a father But is there more than that? You know, mm. what is my? Ultimately, what is my specific reason for being here? If there is a God, why did He put me here at this time? He could have put me here 20 years earlier or 50 years later, but is there a reason I'm here now? And and is there a real purpose to, to all of these events, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Is He in fact somehow redeeming all that in a way that is that is, uh, is going to provide clarity of uh, purpose and legacy and meaning? And so there's that. And there's a third one that I see emerging. And this is something that I think affects all of us. I will say I've noticed it more in younger men at mm. this point. And it's this idea of, in our culture, where men are wanting to, well, I'll just call it a spiritual reformation, for lack mm. of a better word. But it's, is you look or hear more closely about it, or, I look, or I've talked m- more about it with people. It's this idea that the God that I was introduced to doesn't seem to be relevant anymore. Hmm. He doesn't seem to be adequate. Um, and I am gonna sort of set that aside and I'm gonna start over. Uh, or a variation of that would be, you know, I've always my faith has always been in God and Jesus, but you know, I've come across some things in the Bible that I'm just not comfortable with. I just am having a hard time accepting that. I can't. I just can't understand that. I can't integrate it with what I have come to believe is true. Mm. And so instead of um, just holding that tension and letting that be, sometimes people are saying, I'm gonna resolve the tension by just cutting the cord and I'm going to either bend, I'm gonna try to bend um, God to where I am mm-hmm. or I'm just gonna sort of cut the cord and reform my spirituality in a different way and so maybe remake God in my own image a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now I've done that, I mm-hmm. have justified things in my mind so I've, I'm not here speaking uh, you know, down to anyone here but there, it's easy for us to come across something that, that is uh, not pleasant mm-hmm. and it's hard and to say I don't like that and God couldn't be that way. He couldn't be asking me to do that. Or... And so that is a significant, I think, part of our culture right now. That, And I, and in fairness to everyone, I think many of us, when we were introduced to God, it was at about the same time we were learning about Santa Claus and the tooth fairy, mm-hmm. that we came to experience God as this benevolent, loving, maybe old man who heard our prayers and he did what we asked him to do. And that sounded great. And it was great. But when we get into college, and we become young adults, and we get out in the real world, we find out that he doesn't always answer prayer, and I didn't get what I really wanted, and I've got pain, and where, how do I integrate that? And so, for me, it's just that, okay, maybe there's a chance that that your spiritual maturity mm-hmm. hasn't been able to keep pace with your physical and mental maturity just out, of, just hasn't kept pace mm. and that's maybe not even your fault. It may be that you were not allowed to believe or allowed to explore. Perhaps you were told that God's just this way and He's mm. never that way um, and that you became to believe in a God. It's overly simplistic and dualistic, and it just doesn't work in a real world of grayness. Mm. And um, and it's not to say God has changed, it's just to say that there's way more to God than any of us realize, mm-hmm. and to just to take the time to explore that. So I think that's a very rich area for men to carefully and seriously consider, which is don't let go, don't let go, while you do your continued growth. Don't let go of it, because uh, to be loose, to not be anchored in this world, mm. um, It's it's a dangerous proposition, really. And so, and I'd be the first guy to say too, Jeff, if someone finds something better than the Lord Jesus Christ to put their faith in, please let me know because I would sign up for that, Mm -hmm. but I've never found it. Mm -hmm. And I've looked Mm -hmm. like I'm sure you You have have. and many other men, Mm -hmm. but by all means, look, because it's a big investment. Mm -hmm. And, And I think any logical, rational, healthy man before he puts his faith and trust in Jesus, he has to view it not as a you know a leap in, leap of faith into the darkness, but he really needs to view it as a step into the light mm. that of course it 's by faith, mm-hmm. but I need to have a reason to believe that there there 's a reason to believe mm. and of course there is yeah, and so uh, yeah, but those three things I think really stand out to me the past trauma you know past unresolved pain, mm. a lack of uh, you know clear identity and purpose, and then um, just a a, a growing Fuzziness or almost a syncretistic view of uh, faith—you know, mm-hmm. integrating a lot of different belief systems and calling that Christianity—is um, is not helpful to people. Right. So,
0: but why are men so hesitant to get help? Yeah, I mean, when you think about past traumas, mm-hmm. when you think about just kind of even clarifying their own identity, yeah. and, you know, um, or even faith issues, mm-hmm. and, and all men struggle with these things. And, yeah, but for most men we turn in on ourselves, yes, right? Yes. And, and uh, why, why mm. are men so averse to like, Hey, I need some help or I want to have talk about this. No, oh, that's a great point.
1: Often the masculine journey for guys has been one of where we've gotten that message loud and clear. You know, if you're a little boy on the playground and you tell the wrong person that you're sad and you get, you'll be made fun of and hammered. Yeah. Um, and so you learn pretty quickly that certain emotions are not allowed. Um, and as we grow older we begin to learn that never let them see you sweat um, mm-hmm. you know put your game face on at showtime um you know be in control uh, even if you even if you're dying on the inside never never show that and so we end up uh, learning that and the idea of being able to step into the place and, and being honest with those things seems very foreign and yet we don't hesitate to do that when it comes to our physical bodies. Yeah. We go to the gym, we budget for it, we do it regularly, mm-hmm. we monitor our progress carefully, we measure our progress, we check our weight, we look in the mirror, we do all this, and, uh, and we, that's just perfectly normal. And yet, uh, for some reason, we don't consider as much our mental and emotional, the mm-hmm. mental and emotional parts of who we are. So for all those reasons, it's sort of uncharted water for many men. Uh, And it can be, here's the thing about men, and it's funny, the Bible really lays this out in so many ways. But, you know, in Ephesians 5, where Paul talks about respect, you know, for uh, uh, encouraging a wife to respect her husband. This whole whole idea that for us as men is such a big, big thing. Uh, A woman named Shanti Feldhahn, in her book, For Women Only, she had done some research that showed 75% of men, 75% 75% said that they would rather be completely alone and unloved. They would rather that instead of feeling disrespected or inadequate. Mm. And so to invite a man into a space where he's going to feel potentially inadequate or to be made fun of, this is a huge thing and it takes wow. takes courage for a guy to do that. And yet a lot of men are doing that and they're coming to realize that, yeah, there's a lot more to me than just this physical body. Mm-hmm. We know it from Scripture. Uh, and yet, um, in our culture, it just hasn't hasn't been something uh, that men have participated in as much. But it is changing, and I love that. In fact, this I'll mention one thing here: a guy, um, a guy named Chip Dodd wrote a book called mm-hmm. *Voice of the Heart*, and he says in the book, in his own journey, he said, you know, he had used the expression over and over. Uh, well, did that bother you when that happened, Chip? And it was like, uh, it's just water under the bridge, Mm. just water under the bridge, you know? And whether we have said that out loud or we've just told ourselves that, he said, one day in my own personal work, he says, um, I followed that metaphorical uh, stream to see where it went, where'd all that water go? And he said, "I, I, I I wandered along the bank and I finally came around a corner and I'm thought, my goodness, it hadn't gone anywhere. All that water had gathered behind this huge dam And he said it was just building up. And what further, he said, I noticed that the dam had cracks in it Mm. and there were already leaks sprouting. And he said, in that moment, I realized that the danger was not in releasing the water. The danger was in not releasing the water because it's getting ready to give way and it's going to be horrible for everyone downstream. And so he said that was really a key part of his journey to say, I have got to learn an emotional vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I've got to understand how I work in an integrate a more integrated way and have much more of an awareness about who I am as a person, and uh, and he wrote the book and it's been really helpful to a lot mm-hmm. of men. But but yeah, I think that's a common experience. We don't have a language to use to discuss and describe how we're we feeling. Mm-hmm. Our answer is great. Everything's great. Yeah, it's just great. Yeah, or or uh, we just don't know what to say. Yeah, and um, and that's uh, it's very hard for guys. But I would definitely encourage men to. Um, to step into that. And for sure, don't go it alone. Mm. There's no need to go it alone. We, we know we're better when we're not alone. God said it when He made us, yeah. better for us not to be alone. But there's so much in the scripture about be together, find two mm. or three safe men, uh, good friends, people you can be honest with. Mm. And if a counselor can help, especially if you've got unresolved past pain, yeah. uh, a counselor can be very helpful just to walk through that with you. So yeah, my hope is that guys will step into that yeah. and I would really uh, encourage them and uh, happy to talk with them about that if, if I could ever be of help.
0: And just talk about that just for a second, because um, I think that's so important. I mean, you mm-hmm. work with guys mm-hmm. in marriages, you work with guys, I mean, whether it's on the Predators or in sports or, you know, you you, you have a wide spectrum. How have you seen, as guys open up and, and deal with their mental, spiritual, emotional health, how have you seen that impact the people around them? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Um, You know, with couples, for example, um, experts tell us that you really can never get true intimacy, and I don't mean physical intimacy, I mean connection, this idea of knowing and being known. Yeah. You know, she knows my heart, he knows my heart, this kind of intimacy. Uh, You don't ever get that without the truth. Mm. So when a wife turns to her husband and says, is something wrong? You seem quiet. Hmm. And we say, no, everything's fine. Now she knows better, (laughs) right? She knows better, yeah. and, um, and she knows that's not the truth, and yet she may not feel the freedom to ask about it or to press, so she doesn't, but she's left, it, she's left with her own thoughts. I wonder why he's not telling me the truth. I wonder why he's holding back. Maybe he doesn't love me after all. You know, Our mind can start to run away. Wow. But when a person, uh, men and women, when they're able to say, well, the truth is I'm scared. Mm. I've got a big presentation tomorrow and I don't, I'm not ready for it, and I'm afraid that you know, this is not gonna go well or I'm worried about our youngest child, or I don't know what to do, you know, my mom is sick and I don't, you know, I'm just afraid about the future. Uh, To be able to say those things, you know, there's a sense in which we think people are gonna be, um, um, they're not gonna wanna be around us, they're Mm. gonna want to, they're gonna be repelled by that. Mm. But if you think about it for a second, if you've ever been in the presence of someone who's honest and you ask them a question, they give you a straight answer, does it cause you to be repelled? or do you, are you drawn to them? Mm-hmm. I've been around people, and I've had the pleasure of being around people who have done their recovery work, people who have just been through the worst and they've just been in horrible, horrible places. And when you're around people like that, it is just inspirational mm-hmm. because they're, they're just honest and there's mm-hmm. no pretense. And so you want, we're drawn to people like yeah. that because why? They're safe, mm-hmm. they're safe. Because uh, it's like, Chip also says in his book, you know, if we're willing to say no, then our yes is meaningful, mm. and I spent a lot of my life never saying no metaphorically, uh, i.e., not telling the truth. And so it's like, man, okay, I don't, I don't really know him because mm. I don't know, I don't know what would make him angry, mm. I don't know what would make him sad, and you know, heck, our spouses want that, our children want that, mm. um, and sometimes they act out to get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, and mine certainly have, you know, but. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's so helpful to be able to be uh, on to honest with uh, with our thoughts and our feelings, mm-hmm. and, and to speak the truth in a kind way. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about truth harshly, uh, but just to speak the truth in love. But mm-hmm. to speak the truth, and we can only speak it if we know it. So I need to know how I'm really doing before I can yeah. uh, can put it out there. So yeah, it makes a huge difference in terms of building connection mm-hmm. and intimacy, which is uh, what. What we all are looking for, certainly Mm -hmm. vertically, but horizontally, with uh, either our spouses if we have them, or our best friends or Mm -hmm. family members for sure.
0: Yeah, I just encourage every guy, I mean, you know, do the work, right? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like you said, I love that example. I mean, we work out physically, we keep up with how many steps we take, we keep up with our workout plans, we keep up with the food we eat, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, Mm has so much of a greater impact, yeah. you know, yeah. like Paul says, for physical training is of some value, but mm-hmm. godliness is value in all yeah. things, holding promise for both this life and the life to come. Yeah. So yeah. talk about this because you're a dad mm-hmm. and you've got three grown kids, you know, and yep. uh, you know the saying, you never stop parenting. Right? <laughs> yeah, <indeed. laughs> so talk about being a dad mm-hmm. to grown kids. Like mm-hmm. what are the things you've learned about being a dad that maybe, you know, it impacted you when your kids were younger, but now you still see those things coming as your father as you continue yeah. to parent.
1: No, great point. Great point. Um, yeah, I've got the gray hair and the scars to show for <laughs> it, too, by the way. I've done a lot wrong. But, you know, um, I think that um, there, there's a lot of things. Um, I would say pace yourself. I um, I came out of the blocks more as a sprinter because of my family of origin. I really wanted to do it right, and mm-hmm. I had a lot of passion and still do but i um, I would say at this stage of my life, pace yourself, you know children are resilient by the grace of God, mm. and you don 't have to be perfect and uh, and the other big learning, as you alluded to, and much to my chagrin, was that there's not an expiration date on being a dad, that there's not some magic finish line when when they're 18, you're gonna say, okay, I'm done, mm-hmm. and I don't have to work so hard. So for all those reasons, I would say pace yourself and realize mm-hmm. it's much more of a marathon than a sprint. Um, and I would say, do, as you said, do your work. Mm-hmm. Children are, uh, they are very discerning as well. And especially as they hit adolescence, and they, it's like they can smell um, when stuff is being made up, mm. and they certainly, they, have, they seem to have a um, hypersensitivity to anything that is um, uh, hypocritical, mm. so they may not see it in their own life, but they'll certainly see it in our life, and so for us to walk the walk uh, that we're talking about, mm-hmm. um, they're going to pick up on that, and so it's real important, congruency. Uh, living out what you say um, is so important, you know, as we go along. Um, I think that something that has that has been extremely important uh, for me to kind of remember here is that as I've shifted to parenting adult children, is realizing that my old skills as a dad are, are not adequate for parenting mm-hmm. adult children. And I needed to, what helped me a lot, it took me a long time to figure this one out, Uh, but some people helped me, uh, is to shift from making statements and directives to my children to asking questions and exploring, almost like it's really no different than how would you approach a good friend? Mm. So you can see a good friend's getting ready to make a mistake. What would you say to him or her? You're not just going to go in there. Let me just tell you what you need to do and just do it Uh, and expect compliance. You're going to approach it with respect and our children, they're no different than we are. They're adults and they won't and need respect as well. So to take the time, develop some new skills for parenting, realizing that these are—and it's kind of cool—they're adults; they're not little kids anymore, mm-hmm. and you can talk to them like adults. So that's really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does require a new, a new skill set for sure. Mm,
0: that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, and I think your parenting is always kind of evolving, right? You know, yes. you're learning, and your kids are at different stages. Yes. And how are you, as you're maturing in your mm-hmm. own uh, walk and your own spiritual walk, but emotionally and how do I help them grow? That's so good, and I love that. Pace yourself, you know. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. give us a couple of takeaways. Uh, you know, just as we're talking about men's leadership, and yeah. and every guy who's watching is a leader in some capacity, and mm-hmm. in in their home, you know, mm-hmm. we're called to be spiritual leaders in our home, or at work, or at church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or give what are a couple of takeaways, just as you've seen on leadership.
1: Hmm. Well, you know it. Procter & Gamble we did a lot of training on leadership and there was a lot said about that and a lot of good stuff and I think um, the thing that out of all of that but maybe even more importantly uh, thinking about it from a biblical perspective there seem to be two adjectives that come to mind. There was a book years ago good to great by a guy named jim collins Mm. and they did some research about companies that had gone from good to great and had sustainable superior performance over time and they did all this research and they intentionally tried to keep the ceo out of the equation um and uh but all that to say that at the end of it they were unable to and they concluded that the character the common characteristic among these ceos in these companies that had these sustainable long-term track records that were significantly and statistically different than their competitors were that the leaders exhibited courage and humility. Mm. Courage and humility. Wow. And I thought, okay, that's a good thing right there. Um, Because to be humble in God's currency seems to be a big deal, (laughs) to walk with humility, right? To walk humbly with our Lord. Mm. and. Mm. And to learn, as we were talking earlier, to learn to apologize to your children when you're wrong. Mm. I was wrong. I I overcorrected you. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry uh, to say it and to ask for forgiveness. Mm. Um, Many of us weren't taught to do that. We Mm. haven't seen that modeled. And it's a humbling thing. It's a vulnerable thing. Um, But how powerful is that? Um, and then to have the courage to step into something even when you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. This is part of the problem of when we, when we have unresolved uh, pain, we become careful to manage our life in such a way that we never experience it again. Mm. And another way of saying it is we become risk averse. The problem with becoming risk averse is that that also begins to isolate us from God because essentially we're now, basically I'm not really putting myself in any situation where I need to depend on anyone but myself. Mm. And let's face it, we all spend or can spend with the help of advertising out there a lot of time becoming self-sufficient. We've got to, you know, if we have the right insurance policies, the right clothes, the right car, the right 401k, the right this, the right that, if we have enough of it, we won't ever lack for anything and nothing could be further from the truth and certainly there's nothing that's going in that that's going to lead us to the Lord. Mm. And so to to be able to have the courage to step into a space where I don't know how this is going to go, I'm willing to try something new though, and if it doesn't go well to have the humility to say that didn't go well mm. and, um, and I learned and I'll try it again later. And uh, I think those are two really great things. So I have really appreciated someone who pointed that out to me. Um, those, two, those, those two things about humility and courage. Um, and then I think um, just being, um, as I, I said earlier, being congruent at home. As a friend of mine said to me, you know what, Pike, if it's not happening at home, it's not happening. Mm. And so um, all this big talk about doing stuff out here in the community is great, and that is great. But it's only great if you're if you're married, if your spouse and your children are saying, "Yep, he's just like that at home." Hmm. But if they see that's not the case, then this is not good. Hmm. So, um, so I don't think God is overly impressed with big. I think He's very impressed with deep hmm. and uh, and honesty and and you know congruency. So I hmm. think. Those are some thoughts, I guess. That's awesome. Uh, for me that have been helped. Oh, I love
0: that. No, courage and humility. Mm-hmm. Those, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Pike, one last question. Sure. What, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Uh, yeah, boy. So, uh, it's a lot to think about. I'm kind of in an age where I'm starting to think about that kind of stuff, you know? And um, I think uh, someone well said, you know, uh, Stephen Covey said in Seven Habits, he talks about start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful question. Start with the end in mind and what do you want the end to be? And I guess for me Lately and really not just lately but for a long time. I've thought about this, you know in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 Mm. Paul talks about we are ambassadors for Christ. Yeah Now I've never thought of myself as a great ambassador, but I have had the privilege through just some small things I've been able to be a part of of feeling what it feels like to be able to share a testimony about what Jesus has done in my life. And it feels amazing. It is just amazing. And so to think that we have the privilege to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus and simply just like the blind man to mm-hmm. say, I couldn't see before, <laughs> but by the grace of God Almighty, I can see now. Yeah. And that guy over there did it. Yeah. And uh, and that's all we need to say to people. Oh, and so, yeah, I hope that people think of me, starting with my wife and my children, I hope they will be able to say, yep, he um, he represented the Lord Jesus well, not perfectly, mm-hmm. but well. And um, we're glad he was our dad and I'm glad he was my husband. Mm. And certainly the same for my friends and, and those uh, those people in my life who I love and care for. So yeah, that's been a passage for me that's really been resonating lately. Mm. So. Wow. Well, Pike, thanks
0: for sharing. and Thanks for sharing your heart. And guys, I want to pray for us uh, as we close out this time. Father, Great. thank you. Um, God, I pray that every man watching this today would be able to say that, God, um, Mm -hmm. that we want to be an ambassador for Christ. Mm -hmm. We want to live every day and every moment, um, God, for your name and your glory, Mm -hmm. and that our wives, our children would be able to say, I'm so glad that um, that he was my husband or or my father, or Mm -hmm. that he was my coworker or my neighbor. Uh, Father, let us be men who bring glory to you. And so, um, God, give us courage, give us humility, and let us make the most of every moment, God. And thanks for Pike, bless him, bless the Refuge Center, God. And let us be men, God, who follow you all the days of our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jeff. Guys, thanks for tuning in today. And uh, man, just be looking each and every Friday for our Man Minute and mm-hmm. just growing every day as we take up our cross mm-hmm. and follow Jesus and then be looking for the podcast next month. So, mm-hmm. Pike, thanks for joining of us Of course, today. my pleasure. Thank you so you, much brother. for this yeah.
1: opportunity to be with you. It's really been great. Thank you.
0: It's exciting. Mm-hmm. And God is growing you, and we're so thankful to be on this journey with each of you. So, mm-hmm. blessings on you today. Mm-hmm.